Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm chilling, Stevie Stacks. How you doing? Oh, man, doing good. The hectic host running around doing all kinds of craziness. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, how you been? Oh, man, I've been great. I'm just waiting for these last two units to get up. So just sitting back waiting. <laughs> sitting back and waiting. Yeah. Cool. And we have someone with us today, hopefully, that can help us not be so he- hectic of a host, myself anyways. And it is a certain Andrew LeBaron. This is episode 172. Let me set it up first. This is episode 172 of your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, HomeAway, Lyft, Uber, Share Economy podcast in the world. And we're coming at you from Fort Worth and Arlington. And we have a special guest, Andrew LeBaron. What's up, Andrew? Right on. So about what, what has it long been? About three and a half years ago, my business partner and I, Isaac Moore, um, we picked up a property wholesale and we actually couldn't move the property. Um, if you're familiar with wholesaling, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of wholesalers, people that pick up properties and wholesale. That's what we used to do full time. And this one we actually took down. We actually bought the property. Um, we bought it with creative financing. We bought it on a lease option to purchase with very little, actually nothing down. We didn't pay anything down. We were helping the seller out. Um, and uh, we couldn't move it. It was a weird, funky property. So we're like, screw it. Let's, uh, let's furnish it. Let's put it on Airbnb. Let's see what happens. And lo and behold, I got this lady bugging us through the app that I've never used before in my life saying she's been willing she's willing to pay 200 bucks a night for a week and i was like we can't even get 1200 bucks a month on this thing how how i almost questioned it you know hey how do you do you, are you sure do you really want to pay 200 bucks a night like i i was almost like hey let's let's talk about this you know and isaac's like no man let's set it up let's go and uh so we did and we were we were, we were going to expect you know, back and forth. Well, this isn't done. This, this is bad. You know, we were scrambling to get the rest of the sheets, the pillows, the, you know, we just listed it just to see, you know, so we got an inquiry. She was going to come in like in two days. We had two days to scramble to get everything put together. Well, we did it. We were successful. Um, After that property, we started building a little empire and we did the arbitrage thing for about six months. We downloaded a Udemy course by David Vu. Um, I bought all of Brian Page's stuff and we were just learning as much as we could about it. And that was, a three, that was three and a half years ago. And this was, we, we started doing it on our own properties. Um, we did it on our own properties before we did it via arbitrage. And then we were so good at it. People's like, hey, can you manage my stuff? And I'm like, uh, I guess. So we started managing their stuff and pretty soon we just had systems in place where it just became very seamless. It's a very robotic, very automated, um, yet without, uh, it has the personal touch system and we coined it buy more time. So that's what we do. We help hosts uh, all around the world buy more time. Uh, we're not a big outfit. You know, we're a humble um, outfit that's beginning to automate almost every facet of the business. You, 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 that is awesome. Congratulations to your success. 
But man, you said something that I have to ask about. You said you used a lease option to get into a deal and then you turned it into an STR. Can you go over what a lease option is and kind of break down that deal, how you got it and how did you set up the lease option? Yeah, absolutely. So I offered cash for this property. I'll just tell you the numbers. So I offered $125,000 cash, I believe. Uh, and that would be cash close, quick, you know, no, no appraisal, little inspection. Uh, I'd even put up some non-refundable earnest money. Okay. And so I was like, absolutely not. I will not be doing that. I said, okay, well, what do you own the property? Uh, she said she owed, I think it was like 180, something like that. It was like 185. I said, great, let's do this. I'll pay 185. And she's like, what, you're going to pay me what I owe? And I said, yeah. And she was, she was struggling. So um, it was a FHA loan and you can't take over payments on FHA loans. Uh, mm -hmm. what, I, what we do is creative financing. We, we acquire lots of properties that way. Um, multifamily, uh, apartment uh, properties. We, we do condos, single family residences. And we use that strategy. We use the, the seller finance or sub two method where, where we take over payments on the property and, and we hold the deed. So we're equitable title owners. In this case, you couldn't because it was an FHA loan. So what we did was we did a lease with option to purchase. So it allows us to control the property without owning the property on paper although we did put a lien on the property so that the owner doesn't get up and go sell it to somebody else, even with a lease in place. So it's like holding your thumb on title without being on title. You file what's called a memorandum of ownership and, uh, or of interest is what it's called. And it, it sounds really complicated. It's really not. It's just a lease with the option to purchase. It's really just first right of refusal to purchase the property. Um, seller can't go out and sell it to someone else. So we did that with nothing down, no deposit, no lease deposit. Um, we, we told her that with what we would have paid as a down payment or a deposit, we're going to go in and fix up the place. And we did, we bought furnishings, we painted, we, uh, made the place really nice. And, um, after we did that, we were in it for probably like seven grand typical furnishing fees for us is about seven to 10 K depending on where you get your stuff and how good you are, you know, putting, putting it all together as a package. So I think we're around 7,000 bucks out the door, but we got that back in a couple months and it was just, the numbers didn't make sense to me at all. And that's when I knew I was hooked. So, so you said you just put a lien on the property to make sure she can't sell it. And then like, is she behind on payments or no, she's caught up on payments. She wasn't behind on payments, but she was struggling. She, she's a landlord. So she had people in there and she just didn't want to mess with landlord duties anymore. She just, she didn't want to fix things. She didn't want to, I mean, this wasn't a beautiful property. So we needed to go in and fix it up a little bit. And uh, we really cut corners. In fact, we didn't even plan to keep it. We just wanted to sell it. It wouldn't sell because it's just funky. It had a pool, had a fire pit, but it was, it, it wasn't selling for what we wanted to sell it for. We we're going to sell it on terms, but we thought, okay, screw it. We'll just buy it um, on a lease option. And we put the lien on the property. We put the filed the memo. And once we did that, we were literally on payment or we were paying the same amount that she paid the mortgage company. So we would use a third party mortgage company um, called Westar Pacific Mortgage. And we would make the payment to Westar. Westar makes the payment to her mortgage company, if that makes sense. So that way she feels rest assured that we're not pocketing all the income, you know, that the monthly payments are being paid. Um, but she was happy with it. You know, she's fine with it. We literally paid nothing for the property, fixed it up and it was ours. 
Um, on, on title, it didn't say our name on it, obviously. Um, what's even crazier about this is we put this up on Airbnb and we started getting hits. It booked out for the whole spring. Um, and we were netting anywhere from $6,500, seven grand a month Whoa. for a couple months. It was, it was insane. It was insane. Um, some nights were 250. We had 285 one night, you know, it was just, and I was like, there's, this is an anomaly, you know, this isn't, this isn't normal. Um, so we started recording our earnings and then I posted, uh, the, our earnings and, you know, legit earnings on bigger pockets. This is crazy. This is so crazy. I can't believe we did this. And we sold the lease option contract to a California buyer. <laughs> yeah. We literally sold the contract over to someone else. So they took over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, which is what we wanted to do because we didn't want to stay in the deal. We sold it for 20 grand. So we made like about $40,000 total after a couple of months, like three, four months maybe. Um, and we just sold, we sold the contract to a new buyer and he started making good money on it. He fixed it up and then he actually sold the property. Um, so. A lot of meat on the bone to go around. Yeah, kind of complicated <laughs> deal. I don't know if you guys get a lot of complicated, you know, hosts like me, but I, I don't like, I don't like, I like to spice it up with some complicated dollar <laughs> finance, you know, crazy. Like we create notes, so, oh, but man. has nothing to do with buy more time. That was just our first deal. And it was, yeah, it was that, that could be a whole nother podcast right there. Yeah. I do need to pick your brain on all that. I want to do some sub two <laughs> myself over here. Um, yeah. that's why I, I can see the billboard now we buy funky houses you know the houses <laughs> that people don't want to live in they just set up funky but they make great airbnbs there's a market for that big time so so you had mentioned um so you did uh arbitraging first how many arbitrages did you have before you jumped into the management side we had we had around seven arbitrages we had about seven contracts and we were crushing it and we were like hey let's get more and then summer hit. And then when summer hit in the Phoenix Valley, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Phoenix, but when summer hit, it died. It was about three and a half years ago. Um, we were barely making rent on some of these. And it was so funny. I can remember, oh my gosh, going to the landlord saying, hey, you know, we'll, play a, we'll pay a late charge. Can you, you give us you know, another 20 days? You know, he was just always asking for more time uh, to make the payment. It was so funny. Um, but then uh, we were just so unorganized because what we do is we crush in the spring. We make like triple the normal market rent. We wouldn't, we wouldn't allocate funds correctly. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, we would literally bank it. That's all we would do. And then disperse it to our individual accounts and life was good, but we were terrible at managing that part. We got a lot of help later. Uh, I had a mentor that stepped in to help me out and we decided that we were just going to manage instead of just arbitrage, we were just gonna manage for other people. We'd obviously have it for our own, right? And those seven didn't include our own property portfolio, which we had about 10. So um, then we just started growing from there. And it's funny, we leveraged that income to purchase just properties that we wanna buy extra curricular, properties that may not be STRs, right? Properties that might be long-term rentals. Um, I bought a sixplex in downtown Phoenix, um, Isaac bought a home in North Phoenix, you know, it, it was, it was freedom. It was so cool what we could do with it. Mm. And we just got so good at the systems that people kept bugging us. Hey, how can we, uh, we were on, I was on Julian Sage's podcast recently and he's like, so, so why did you decide to manage other people's stuff? And I'm like, well, we were just so good at it. We just thought 
why not? It's kind of a it's kind of a waste of your own tools and software that we built from the ground up, um, which include everything from check-in checkouts to um, inquiry um, help, guest help, twenty-four-seven guest help, um, even payout methods for vendors and everything else. So it, it's been a painstaking three and a half years, but um, I think we've learned a lot in the long run. So, so like, so did, did you continue to hold your arbitrages while you're managing for other people? And is, is that a good idea to juggle both or? or what? Yeah. So some, some, some of them we did, some of them we just let go because the owners were like, ah, I'm good. I'll just take it on. Our original pitch was, for example, if you had a property for 1200 bucks, I come to you and say, Hey, we'll pay 1250, but we'll also, it's kind of like the Brian page method, right? We'll also improve it with smart home technology. You know, I'll fix up your bathroom a bit. I'll change out some of the fixtures and the lighting and you get to keep all that when I'm done with this lease. I tried to set up a three-year lease. Most of the time they said no. It was either a one-year lease, you know, two, two years lease, maybe. Um, Isaac locked up one in Scottsdale, Arizona for a killer deal. And that one cash flows no matter what we do. But it really just depends. Um, from there, we started just managing other people's stuff. And that, that was actually a lot easier because there's no real expectation, but to just take care of their guests really well. We ensured a five-star experience and we're not paying a landlord. So I'm also a property manager professionally. I'm a licensed agent. So uh, nice. that helped out tremendously. But really it's kind of just on them. Um, like the, the client needs to come ready. Uh, they, they show up to buy more time and we take over the reins. We do everything from inventory. You know, we ship inventory to your cleaner. Your cleaner takes it to the property, puts it in the cleaning closet. Um, we have a checklist that, you know, when they fill it out electronically, pushes it to a database. In the database, um, we have a couple parsing systems that uh, create a PDF tool that sends a report to the client saying, hey, this is your inventory account. Uh, this is the damage reported. We're already on it. We already reported to Airbnb. This is the picture of the damage. You know, this is, you know, everything. We're like an Amazon meets property management um, meets Uber, you know, all, all together. And, you know, you need a runner. We got it. We got it taken care of. Um, that part took forever to build. That part, that, that, was, that was a pain. That was a royal pain. But when you build it and it's done, you're set. Um, I threw a lot at you there. No, no, <laughs> this is good, man. Uh, <laughs> You said you have a database. Now, what are you using to say, hey, this is what's in the closet. How does that data get base get pushed and then restocked? Great question. We use JotForm for data entry and it pushes to Airtable. Airtable is like my SQL meets Excel. It's a software um, you could use for free for a little bit, then you got to start paying for it. Um, Airtable is the automation database. For example, I can create rules where if Shampoo is less than X bottles in the cleaning closet, then an automatic message goes out to our inventory specialist that orders more. And they just make the Amazon order. We charge the client 10 bucks to make the order. It ships whatever they're low on. So we collect a list of all, everything where they're low on. We take that list, we order it, we ship it to the cleaner. The cleaner then puts it all in the cleaning closet, locks it up, records that that has been placed. Client goes to their dashboard. They could see their inventory levels from wherever they're at. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's how, uh, that was one of the questions because you have, you said over 30 units. How many units do you have total? Right now for buy more time, we're 30, I think we're 34 units total. 34 units. Okay. And that's, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, okay, you're managing that many units. 
restocking. I mean, how, how do you, how does that work? And you just explained it, you know, you use your buddy Amazon to, to get everybody restocked and you keep inventory of it and they get a report. I mean, it's freaking phenomenal. We and, used to be uh, like, we used to be like, we're going to ship everything to a storage unit, you know, or to our garage and then we'll ship it from there. I'm like, no, let's, let's make the cleaners, the storage units, right? Let's make the actual <laughs> clients, the storage units. Right. So like there, there's another arbitrage, right? So we're like piggybacking on the cleaners or piggybacking on the owners. We have them sign indemnification waivers that, you know, they're responsible for the products if it's damaged, if it's lost. So they have to cover that. We don't usually run into that, but uh, we also have their information on file where if they lose something or mess something up, we charge them. So everybody's accountable. Everybody's on the same page. And that's what I'm wondering. If you're going to send a whole box of supplies to them, how do you know that? Hey, you grab a couple from me. I'll t- take the rest of the, how do you, how do you keep track of that? So again, data entry forms. So they take it to the property, they fill the cleaning closet, they take an actual photo of the cleaning closet, which they can't take a photo from their photo library. The form requires them to take a photo live in the form. So they have to take it while they're, you know, it doesn't, you can't, can't upload an old photo. That doesn't work. So, and what form is that? Jot form. It's a, it's a form. J O T F O R M. F O R M. All right. I'm going to look that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, one issue we ran into is like cleaners were adding, like when they clean the, the kitchen, there's like three different pictures of the kitchen you need. You need the front picture. You need a picture of some of the appliances and the countertops. They would pull up old photos. You know, they'd keep like an archive of old photos because they didn't want to waste time. You know, like, oh, I'll fill this out later. And I'm like, well, hold on. This is the same photo from the before and before and before. So we fixed that by creating um, a live photo widget. We didn't create the widget. We actually found it on job form, but it requires them to take a live photo. And then we were running into problems where they would submit the checklist at home after, after they left the building. And we didn't want that. So we added a geolocation widget where we know when they submit it, where they submit it. So it's inside the form. So they fill it out. You know, if it says they filled it out at their house, then we dock them for it. And they know that, you know, that's not any surprise. Like, they know that if they're willing to pay the fee, great, you know. So Man, my partner Norman's gonna have a blast with this episode. This is, like, <laughs> like, this is like right up his alley, man. So you you said something. So you said you'd have them take a photo of the storage closet because that I never thought to do. Because I I've been doing all this take photos. I never thought take photo of the storage closet. That's smart idea. I, I'm, it's really just insurance, right? So yeah. they and, and literally insurance. Um, if they, if they steal, if you know, and they don't, I don't have cleaners. We don't hire people that do that. And you know, people, people are people, they'll do what they do. Right. But mm. you know, with that widget involved in the form and it's right there in job form, you can go, you know, pick it up today. It's job form is very cheap. Anybody can set this up. That's what's so cool. Like I talk like, it, this is amazing. It's like, no, like you could do this today. You could set this up and create your perfect uh, checklist. But um, it, it's kind of like if, if I have a cleaner show up and cleaner says, oh, we're low on this or we need to order more, but we just ordered 20 things of toilet paper at, you know, 30 cents a roll, you know, where are they at? You know, we just ordered that. And then we look at the photos from before and we notice there's no toilet paper there. Well, I shipped like three boxes to you, Miss Cleaner, where'd they go? Mm. And the cleaner's like, oh, those were toilet paper. Those were in my garage, you know, or whatever. Like we, everything's <laughs> tight. It's a tight run ship. Like you really can't mess up, you know, unless you're not paying attention. So. That's nice. That's nice. Um, so another thing, uh, what, cause you said, you said, um, 
you did say you started systematizing everything. What did you systematize for? I mean, you, you talked about this, you know, the job form and everything. What systems did you put in place so y'all weren't going running, you know, going crazy running all these units? Yeah. So I think, well, the biggest, the most important piece to this whole thing, if you're going to manage property for someone else or even for yourself, is the onboarding form. It's a long, nasty form. It's disgusting. It takes like two hours to fill out. I'm going to, I'm going to bug you to death. You know, and I, we have, we have virtual assistants that do this with the client, but it's a long form. We ask everything from door codes, gate codes, alley codes. Uh, we ask everything from, you know, do you have any preferences on cleaning the kitchen, um, chemicals that you want to use? You know, all this, we ask all these things, we get special instructions and we add it to the stupid long 400 field uh, onboarding form. It's, it's insane. But after we do that, we don't bug you. You know, you see reports come in, PDFs come in. We get, you know, you, and if you ever want to communicate with us, you can. We have a business text line, but it's, it's very seamless. Um, I've got three uh, cleaning companies. I got your main and two backup. I got three electricians, three plumbers. I got three handymen. I don't really use the electricians much, but we just want to be safe. I have three errand runners. Um, these individuals, they go to a vendor page. And they, we collect all their information and they get a unique Stripe account, a Stripe ID. So this is what, this is the cool part. Let's say I show up to your house and I clean your property and I fill out the checklist. Once I fill out the checklist, it goes to one of our team members for approval. After it's been approved and they click approve, I get paid. Wired the money directly. There's no automatic, there's no, it's automatic. There's no manual, hey, let's, let's PayPal this person. Venmo this person, Zell this person, it's automatic because I have a Stripe account as a vendor. We require all vendors to have Stripe accounts. So if you're a cleaner, you have to have a bank account because you can't have a Stripe account without a bank account. Everything's electronic. Um, we don't manually pay people. Um, if there's, for example, in the, in the cleaning checklist, if you say there's damage, like yes, there's damage, then you describe the damage and take a picture of the damage. So it's three things, say yes, describe, take a picture of the damage, once you submit it, the handyman assigned to that property immediately gets the image, the description, the door code to enter, the phone number of the cleaner to contact if they have any other additional questions. They get everything. And they're told at what time frame to enter the property. And if it's immediate, which it usually is because we do allow same-day check-ins, they go straight to the property. They're fixing it. It's done. Now, when the when the when the handyman's there, they have their own form called the damage repair completion form. So they have to fill out a form after they finish. If they want to get paid, they have to fill out the form. Nobody gets paid unless you fill out the form. So they say, great, doorknobs broken. One of the most common things, curtain rods, doorknobs, you know, these are common things, right? Doorknobs broken, came and I fixed it. Um, here's a picture of the proof. Here's a description of how I fix it. Here's the receipt. Here's a picture of the receipt that I bought a new doorknob. Here's my cost for labor. And they put that inside the checklist. They click submit. We see it. We click approve. They get paid. So it's all automatic. Um, if we click reject, we, or we can edit the amount that we pay them, or we get on the phone with them and say, hey, this doesn't look like it's really fixed. Can you get more pictures? Usually we don't run into that. They're really good at what they do. But that's how we made it automatic. So our time, our time that we spend on everything is more on the guest. Our focus is on the guest, not, not, the, not the silly shenanigans of, you know, you know, fixing things or inventory or restocking because your quality is going to dip.
It's on the guest. How do we take care of the guest? How do we make the guest love where they're staying tonight? Wow. <laughs> yeah, spending too much time on operations. Yeah, you take away from the guest. You're absolutely right. Um, now, 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 are you only doing management now, or are you still buying properties? Or how, how, how's, what's, your journey, what's your day it's, look like? It's funny you say that. So we're really good at outsourcing, Isaac and myself. So we have virtual assistants and Americans that work together to – you know, handle the day-to-day -day operations. So we're out doing our own thing. Um, Isaac's a lender. I, my partner's a lender. Um, and I like to buy multifamily. I'm, I'm buying a 42-unit hotel here pretty soon. Great. And it, it's just, you know, we get to do what we love to do best because the name we create is called Buy More Time. If I was a slave to my own time, you know, if I was a slave to the clock, I'd be a hypocrite in my opinion. So I needed to create systems and team that loves to do what they love to do and the system that actually works so that I can get my time back. And that's, that's why we built it that way. That's why we called our company that. So one thing you said, you said you're doing you buy more time. How do you source your lease option deals? And the reason I ask is because that's like such a underrated strategy in the short term rental space. Not too many people are using it. How are you sourcing your leads on that? So I contact a lot of agents, uh, wholesalers. And really, if you, if you want to outsource the marketing on that, all you do is create an email marketing drip. You get any wholesome realtors in there and you create, I would say 30 templates and put them on loop. And the 30 templates you put on loop, all talk about how you would love to rent to buy. If a property looks dilapidated or weird, I'd love to rent to buy and I'll pay you for that lead. And you just tell them, hey, you got, got leads that don't work for cash. I'll buy those leads from you because all I do is rent to buy. I don't say lease option because people don't get it. You know, typically rent lease option sounds really complicated. That's an investor term, right? But I say I like to rent to buy. Now, that's the most ideal way to set up an STR, in my opinion. I actually, even better than lease option is seller finance. If you can actually own the property with little to nothing out of your pocket, that's the best way. You could, if you can lock that up, that's the best way. But a lot of people don't want to do that, right? How, how are you going to go find a property that where they just hand it over to you? Um, they're out there, but the rent to buy model is is so key. So I, that's how I do it. And then when I approach the owners, it's very simple. I say, you know, I rent out your property for a few years and then I purchase it. But I always have that option. If I don't want to buy it from you, I don't have to buy it from you. And if I don't buy it from you, you have a fixed up, beautiful home. This is your home. You got a beautiful house. It's got smart home tech. I'll leave that there. You keep it. It's got, you know, it's newly painted. Um, it's got nice furnishings. I'll probably take some out. I'll probably leave some there. That'll be free. That'll be yours. It'll be in better hands. You know, what do you say? And they're like, oh, what's the catch? I'm like, that's it. There's no catch. So. <laughs> now I have a question on that. Since you're doing yeah. a, a, a rent to buy, um, how, how, do, how do you bring the Airbnb and the short-term rental thing across to them? Or are they fine with it? Yeah. So if, if I tell them I'm going to do a rent to own or rent to buy, they're pretty sure, you know, and they understand I'm an investor. They, they understand I'm going to make money. And I tell them, look, I'm going to make money. I'm going to rent your place out however I can so that I can make profit. There's no hiding it. I'm very upfront. I'm very in your face. You know, if I decided, and if they ask, you know, you know, Airbnb my property, I say, I might, I might. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm shoot. There's nothing to hide. Like I'm very, I'm very transparent, very open book. There's no schemes here. I'm here to make money. I'm a business owner. You're here, you're here to have a problem solved. I'm here to solve it. You need someone to make the payment. I'm going to make the payment for you. 
Man, I love that. I love that. Like that, that, that you're the first person 170 episodes in to come in and say, that's how they're getting STRs is lease, to, lease option and rent to buy, lease to own. Man, because I've been thinking, I'm like, man, if I can get a lease option deal, no money out of the pocket, only thing you're paying is furnishing, you can't lose. Now, yeah. are you coming up with an agreed upon price when you do the rent to buy before you hop in the deal? No, I, what I typically do is, I mean, it's a negotiation, right? So first, let me tell you how I find these. I, I, like I said, I reach out to wholesalers and I reach out to realtors and I get on the phone with them. They're my marketers. I'm not going to go out and find them myself. I'm going to let them do that for me. So properties that don't sell, I also have a filter on the MLS or you could use Zillow, you could use Redfin, of properties over 90 days on the market. If they're over 90 days on the market, you have to ask yourself, why are they not selling? I reach out to the agent or the owner, whatever, I don't care. Hey, I noticed your house is on the market for $200,000 and it's been over a hundred days. What's going on? Oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta go through Jimmy's room to get to the bathroom. People don't like going through Jimmy's room to get to the bathroom or it's only a one bath, right? That's popular. It's only a one bath house, right? Oh, you're, you're not in your head because you know, those are hard to sell. You know, two bath, two bath, three bed is your bread and butter all day long. Well, I love those weird ones. Okay. Cause I show up and I say, Hey, you want how much for the house? 200,000. What was the, what was the offer that you most recently received? Oh, I got an offer for a hundred and 150,000 cash, but we want 200. Okay, great. I'll give you 200,000. I'll give it to you. I'll give you 200,000. I give you your price. You give me my terms deal. Uh... You know? And they're like, that sounds good. You know, <laughs> I say, Hey, at the end of this whole thing, what if we do this? What if I do a seller finance deal with you? you are going to net more than 200 grand. Okay. They're like, what do you mean? I say $200,000 is the purchase price. I will pay 2% interest only. Okay. On 200,000, I'll pay 10,000 down, 5,000 down, whatever it is. And I will fix this up. I'll make it beautiful. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll make the home just absolutely gorgeous. And at the end of a 60 month period, I'll pay off the balance. So I pay 5,000 down on a $200,000 house. I owe 195 on it for five years. It's not amortized. That principal balance ain't going down. It's just paying it. I just pay interest on that. If you look at an interest only calculator, it's very low. So my monthly payment on this thing is like only like 250 bucks a month. And that's a seller finance deal. It's interest only guys. And I do a lot of everything. If you're Airbnb in that thing. Oh yeah. You cash flow like a, like a monster. So let's say this. So at the end, so I'm only out 5,000 to buy the house. I pay 250 bucks a month. Cause I'm only paying 2% interest only on this house. Now, principal balance at the end of five years is still going to be 195. Sorry. You know, I don't, I don't get to lower my principal because I don't want to pay principal. I don't care. I care about cash flow. So at the end of the five years, let's say the house is only worth hundred K. You think I'm going to get a loan to buy that house when I owe 195? Absolutely not. So I'm going to go to the seller and say, Hey, market's crazy right now. I wish, I wish I could buy this home, but as you know, the appraised value is only hundred grand. Will you give me a 36 month extension? And a lot of times they do it, but if they say, no, no, I'm taking it back. I'm like, great. No problem. Thank you so much. And I give them this beautiful home. Okay. I give them this beautiful product of a house and they're excited. They're happy because they got a new house out of it. So I took care of them for five years and they get this house back and I cash flowed like a monster for 60 months. Right. So I, I made, I netted a lot. That only works for homes free and clear though. Okay. Get it? Yeah. Okay. So it's gotta be free and clear. I'm paying interest only on these properties. If it's not free and clear, the lowest you could pay is the mortgage amount, right? So, because they owe a mortgage on it. Yeah. 
that, that's that's <laughs> next level right there. I love that. I love that, man. And then you walk out with all this cash if they say no. It's a win-win situation. It's a win-win situation. They're happy. And they know this before they even sign up. Look, I'm like, hey, if I decide I don't want to buy this in 60 months, you're going to have this beautiful property. I give them a list of references. Here's all the people I've done this with. You call them all up. They, they're expecting your call. If you want to verify, I got ML, I got transaction history as well. You want to see HUD statements? I got HUD statements. Um, these are real transactions. Um, I'm taking care of your property. You're literally, you're, you're literally getting a rehabbed property. It's just taken five years for it to get rehabbed. That's all. That's what I tell them sometimes. <laughs> like I'm rehabbing your house, right? But you better believe I'm going to make money on you. You better believe I'm going to make money on this property. And there's, there's just no hiding anything. Now, how often do they say yes to these offers, right? Well, these offers, that, that's best case scenario, right? Worst case scenario is I got to put a little bit more down. If I got to put a little bit more down, a lot of times I like to borrow cash. So I go to my private lender. I say, hey, they want 30K down. So I borrow cash from him. I don't pay any interest payments to him at all. I just have to refinance or I need to get out of the deal, sell the deal within 24 months typically. And I pay him 20% on this money. That's where it gets really complicated. Need a whiteboard, but you're literally out none of your own cash. Wow. <laughs> Have you been on the Bigger Pockets podcast? Not yet. <laughs> if not, we, yeah, we need to get you. Yeah, you need to get on there. Right? That's, that's, <laughs> you're, you're, you're kicking it, man. Cool. So, so why first? We're investors first. The short-term rental thing was second. It was like we're already investors. We're already buying properties. You know, how can we maximize our ROI? Well, short-term rental is is where it's at. If you're in the right area and you have the right product, yeah. right area, right product, right team, you could crush this market. Hmm. So, so real quick on the, one more question on the, uh, on the rent to own and stuff like that. Why, why do you choose five years? It, it's an easy number. You know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I'm actually undercutting myself for doing that. What I should do is, and a lot of my, what I'm doing now is I say 120 months. I never say years. Years mm. is intimidating guys. Mm. So I tell the seller and, and listen, sellers are used to months, 12 month deal, six month rental, 12 month rental. 18 month rental. They like to hear months. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak in their language. I say, Hey, look, this property needs to be fixed up. You're obviously struggling here. I'm going to take over. I'm going to pay exactly what you pay on the mortgage. I'm going to fix all this up. If I don't fix it up in 30 days, then we will rescind the contract. I will actually put a clause in the contract stating that I will rehab or paint or whatever in the first 30 days. So you see the improvements happening. I want you to be aware that I'm fixing your home up. Okay. And at no cost to you because I'm paying the price you asked for. Okay. So I say months and I, I shouldn't say 60 months. I should start high 120 months for the seller carry stuff. I'm doing 120 months. I just locked up three parcels with houses on them for um, 60 months because I, sh I, I should have said 120. He only did 60. So, but that's at 2.4% interest. And I got three properties out of it. Oh, wow. Now, this is not in an area that I could Airbnb. I'll be honest. And that, that's another thing too. Guys, I want to Airbnb everything. Why? Because I get triple the market rent. Heck yeah. But these are not, this is in Tonopah, Arizona. If you look that up, it's in rural, podunk, out in the West. You're almost kissing California. You're in the desert. Mm -hmm. um, Bill and Melinda Gates bought like a ton of land over there to build a smart city someday. Everyone's like, someday it's going to be there. But right now it's not. So, but these three properties there's only one tenant in one of the properties. The other two are vacant, but that one tenant already pays the amount that I owe the landlord or that I owe the seller every month. So the other taking care of it. 
So like it's a shoe in for me. Now I'm just going to cash flow for 60 months. Life's golden, you know? Oh, I love it. I love it, man. Um, let's go back to the, to the STR world a little bit. You mentioned VAs and you mentioned something interesting. VAs working with Americans. So first, how, how did you go about finding your first VA and what was the learning curve on that? Because we're, we're hi- we hired our first VA and, and it's a learning curve. And what advice do you have for people hiring and training VAs? That's a great question. I, we've been through over probably 150, 200 VAs over the years. Wow. We've been through a lot. That's a revolving door because we didn't know what we were looking for. We now have a sound check test. We have multiple quizzes. We have three interviews. Um, we put them through a probationary period. We have a 60 or 30 month or sorry, 30 day, 60 day, 90 day probationary period. We dangle the carrot at the end of the 90 days. If you make it through 90 days and you are great and you're a five-star team member, we're going to give you a dollar raise. You know, we're going to, we're going to help you out. And with all these checks in place, it's been so much easier to find the right person, the right candidate. Now I know who I'm looking for. Um, Here's a good tip. I go on Facebook and I post in all these VA groups. There's a ton of VA groups. Okay. And I post, I post a link. I say, Hey, if you're interested, fill out the questionnaire in the link. Well, the questionnaire, what they don't know is it's really long. So I'm already weeding out all the people that are not serious. Right. Mm -hmm. So they fill out this questionnaire and it's really long. Once they fill it out, then it's scheduled a Calendly event. Okay. For an interview with me. And I talk to them. I say, Hey, I, I see you answered all these questions. We put them through different scenarios. So that's a scenario interview. Okay. Um, if they pass, I have them fill out a whole new questionnaire. It's a really long one as well. And then I do a panel discussion with me and two other uh, members on our team, my partner and one other. And if they pass that, then it's the final, you know, typically it's three or four people that we choose from. And, and all the, most of the time, if we reach the consensus that these people made it through the first two interviews, we want to hire all of them. Right now we're at, I think we're at like 10 people. So we have 10 VAs. Um, they all speak very well. They all have downloaded on their computer something called Grammarly, which is a software that auto-corrects their speech when they type in inquiries. We use a PMS called Your Porter. Um, <laughs> yeah, we love Your Porter. Um, sure. It's glitchy sometimes, but they're pretty darn good and they're really cheap. They're really good. Um, they need to have a, I, um, they need to have a i5 processor or newer. They need to have a laptop that is in good working order. We, re- we don't require, but we recommend two screens for all the different systems. Um, obviously, your porter. Um, sometimes they want to have another monitor open for Slack when they communicate with us and vendors and everyone else. Um, we used to use Voxer. We don't anymore. Oh, yeah, I really, I Voxer. Yeah, I really wish Voxer was, uh, Slack had a Voxer um, option, but it doesn't. Um, but yeah, that's how we syndicate all of our stuff or that's how we find VA. Sorry. That, that was what you asked. That is a tough, that's an art, by the way, if you could, if you could find the right talent, that's an art, you know, that takes time. You really need to be, have a great perspective or, or you need to perceive who you're going to hire. You need to know who you're going to hire before, um, they even interview with you. If you don't know who you want, then, and, and you probably hired your first one. I'm sure they're going to be great. What's going to happen is you know, you'll hire someone else because you're growing and you'll realize, well, this new one's like 20 times better than the one we just hired. You know, I'm sure they're all going to be great. They're, they're, you know, people, 
um, people in the Philippines are my favorite. They're, they're my favorite. I don't know if you're choosing people from the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, Philippines. We, we, I visited the Philippines a couple of years ago. My partner did as well. We took the family. Beautiful place. We got to meet our team. Wonderful people. Incredibly smart people and dedicated. That's why we choose them. They're very well-spoken as well. And yeah, they're just, they're cutting edge individuals. So what do you look for? You said, what, you know, you know what you want, what you're looking for. What are you looking for in a VA? I'm looking for someone who currently has a job. Okay. Don't look for someone who is unemployed. Oh, um, oh wow. Yeah, that's another trick. There's a lot of tricks to this, man. We, this could be like a four hour episode. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my first question in the interview is like, where are you currently working? If they say unemployed, I don't even want to interview them. Oh, I don't even want to talk to them. Okay. Now, another question is how long have you been where you're at? And if they say something like five years, I want to talk to that person. I want to talk to that person. Okay. You're the second person to say that. That, that is a great gem right there. Yeah, but go ahead. That, that's all. Yeah, no, no, no. I, so we asked that. Um, I, I typically ask them scenario questions inside the questionnaire. I, I ask them, you know, one of your team members is being very unruly. Um, they're treating you very poorly. How do you respond? I like to see how they how they act, how they respond. One thing I will say about, and this this is not this is not a knock on the people in general. This is a culture thing, right? And they're, the Filipinos are my favorite people. In fact, a lot of times I choose them over Americans, right? Over over my own people, right? But one thing that I really struggle with with these individuals in the past is they want to perform so well that they won't tell you what's wrong, and they won't say anything, and that's a big no no to me. So that's another question. This is a pitfall you might guys, you guys, I hope you won't run into now that I tell you. Whenever you hire somebody, ask them, um, let's say something's wrong. Are you going to hide the fact and solve it yourself? Or are you going to tell the team? If they, if they say, I'm going to hide the fact and solve it myself, you need to, you need to talk to that person. It doesn't disqualify them to be hired, but you need to talk to that person and say, that's a big no-no. We disclose, we're a meritocracy. Meritocracy means you're, you're, you're paid on performance and your merits, meritocracy, your merits, right? So everyone's on the same pl playing level. Nobody gets hurt, their feelings hurt. If you mess up, you call it out. Someone else messes up, they call it out. We all mess up, we call it out. We get better. Um, that, that's probably the biggest thing I run into with the, with the Filipino people is they don't, they don't tell you what's wrong. And, and, and that's, actually, that's actually great that that's like their only weakness, honestly. Like, they want to yeah. fix it themselves. You know, what a, what a beautiful thing, but you need to know at all times because their fix might be the wrong solution. Um, people that are employed, people, they don't need to have degrees, but they've been employed with the company for a long time. Question them. Why do you want to work for us if you're so happy where you're at? Because I'll, I'll throw this question at them. I'll say, you know, it sounds like you love where you're at. Why on earth would you want to come work with me? You have no idea who I am. And they'll tell me, well, I feel like I've hit a plateau. That's probably the biggest re rebuttal I get. I feel like I hit a plateau. Um, my company doesn't want to pay me anymore, even though I perform. I love hearing that because I want them to grow with me. So, but yeah, that's, that's who I hire typically. What do you start them off at like pay, pay wise? I, it depends on experience. If they wow me and they're very good and their skills and aptitudes are very high and they've been with the company for a long time, I'll probably be at six or seven bucks an hour start. Okay. Um, if they're, if they're entry level, it's probably $4 an hour. I don't go below $4 an hour. I try to, and, and there's other companies that I go like $3 an hour, two fifty an hour. I, I don't like to 
lowball people because if, if I'm not paying you well, you're not performing well. You're going to perform. Um, it's going to be equivalent to what you're being compensated. You, nobody works for free. And when people give me the BS, when I ask the question, what motivates you? And they don't tell me money, I'm shutting that off. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you ain't talking to me because you just want to be part of something. I hate that. I hate when they say that. It's like, no, I'm here because I want cash. Okay. I want to take care of my family, right? There's a bigger why. It's not just because money. I want to take care of my family. So usually you'll, you'll, you'll sift through people that, that say the BS and that be, same BS that they're using in the interview, they'll probably use down the line. So you don't want that. You want to hear someone say, listen, I love hanging out with my family. In fact, whenever I get weekends, we go to the beach. Um, the way I do that is I perform excellently with the company I'm in and I'm paid very well. And that's what I want with buy more time. I want to be paid very well. I'm going to reach for something and help this company grow, but I want to be paid well. If I hear that, I'm all ears. Mm. And so that that's, I guess that's one thing like if we were like, well, we don't want someone that already has a, a job because you know, they got it. How are they going to work two jobs? You know, they, how are they going to do our stuff? Can't work two jobs. Yeah. And so, so you tell them, okay, we're going to hire you, but you got to quit your job. You, no yeah, moonlighting. I mean, no yeah, moonlighting. Like I mean, that, think about getting a corporate job at Wells Fargo or Chase Bank. You know, you go over there and say, hey, I'm at Chase Bank. I work for Wells, by the way. Yeah, they ain't going to hire you. It's like, great. <laughs> if you're going to you work for Chase, you're leaving Wells, you work for Chase. Um, it's the same thing with us. Now, here's the deal. We, we actually just found out one of our people had two jobs. And her performance was kind of slipping. And that's how I'll know. Look, I'm never going to stop a woman from working two jobs, especially if she's a single mom with kids. Like, look, work two jobs, work eight jobs, work 20 jobs. But when I see performance slip, right? When I see performance slip, we're going to talk. And I want to get them to the point where they don't need to work two jobs. Look, I'll pay you more. Like, let's, let's, let's create some goals, okay? And we make them submit goals. We call them WIGs, wildly important goals. And let's get you to the next level because as we earn more clients, as we earn more properties, you know, we started off with 10 when I were at 34. So we're growing, you know, um, if we, if you, if we get more people or excuse me, if we get more clients, you get paid more. It's that simple. You know, everybody gets a bump. Everybody's, everybody's going to grow with us. We're not going to leave you down and we grow. No, it's, we all grow together. Um, we also, we use something called time doctor that, monitors their screen so we know if they're active we know what their mouse is doing we know what web pages they're going on you know when you're on the clock you work with us you know you don't work with um facebook you don't work with amazon you don't work with any other job we had another guy that we let go some years ago who was working with a competitor company so crazy so he was basically taking all of our trade secrets <laughs> he was giving the ball to the other team. Like, here, this is what we do. You know, oh you might God. want to use this. And I'm like, oh, man. What? <laughs> so, yeah, I found out because he was using, it was so crazy. He was using our own database, our Airtable database to collect. And this is kind of dumb on his part. He should have, if he's going to be sneaky, you've got to be sneakier. But he was using our own Airtable database to house his clientele information. So I'm looking through this clientele. I'm like, who is this? we don't have any people, we don't have any clients like this. Like we don't have any clients over here, over there. I come to find out that he's working with another company. And anyways, I called the CEO of the other company. I'm like, Hey, um, I got this guy, you know, or first of all, I said, Hey, do you know this guy? He's like, yeah, yeah. We've hired him. 
I'm like, how long has he been with you? Um, six months. I'm like, six months. <laughs> it went over my head, you know, like. <laughs> so no, we have a we have an employee code of conduct. You can't work for competing companies. You know, you need to put in the time while you're here. If you're gonna work multiple jobs, we can't we can't stop you. But once performance slips, we're gonna talk. Um, yeah, we have an incident tracker. You know, that's a full time job, guys. That's a whole another game. You know, when you hiring one VA is very different than hiring two or above, you know, one VA totally different two or above. It becomes a chore. So that becomes its own like system, you know? Wow. And then you mentioned your VA is working with Americans. You kind of mix them up. How does that work? Americans are the salespeople, the sales and relations people. So they're the ones that bring people in the door. They'll reach out to you. We have one lady named Tracy. She's wonderful. Uh, she hops on all the discovery calls. So if you are, you fill out the questionnaire and the questionnaire for the Calendly, right? You guys use Calendly. Mm-hmm. So if you fill out a Calendly, you can add questions. One of the questions is, do you own, manage, or operate any short-term rental? If the answer is no, then we're just going to send you another link that says, hey, um, why don't you set up a time you could do a coaching consultation call with us? It's paid. If not, you know, go out, find that property, put it on a contract, do what you need to do, bring it to us. We just handle those that are up and running. If you're up and running, then we're ready. You know, if you're brand new to this, go learn the ropes, figure it out, set your expectations and then come to us later. So what they do is they, they get on the onboarding call and the discovery call, but we have VAs in the background that are there taking notes, filling out forms while they're on the call with the potential client, if that makes sense. So it's not just her on one call. On the call, we got probably two or three people in the background and they're all doing separate things. One person's entering da- in stuff into the database. Another person's starting to begin syndicating the listings in your quarter. So, wow. It took you years to develop this, right? Yeah, it took, it took a while, like about three and a half, four years. You know, it, we've been through our ups and downs. We've lost people to competitors. Um, you know, we, we've, we've messed up on management. We have, you know, sometimes we we've been without cleaning a property in between turnovers and that was terrible because these are high-end properties oh yeah you know this is this is years ago we're we're, we don't do that now but um it's been it's been bumpy y'all it's been it's been really bumpy but that's what it takes to get where you're at yeah is if you stay the course and keep going and grinding you'll get there you know it's really just a game who's gonna stay who's gonna leave you know Mm -hmm. so uh, a two-part question What's the best advice you could give to someone as they scale? What's the best thing they could do? And what's some of the the worst things they could do as they're scaling? Okay. The best advice is get incredibly cutting edge software that allows you to scale. The worst advice is deciding that you need to hire more heads to get more done. And that's not the case. Ooh, I like that one. A lot of, and that was a big mistake we ran into. In fact, um, there's another company that's very similar to us. The CEO reaches out to me for advice and I give it to him. He's a friend of mine. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to hire someone just for marketing. Hey, I'm going to hire someone just for cleaning management. Hey, you know, I said, first of all, a lot of the software that you have can do all of this. A lot of it can do all of this. If you can have software replace people, do it. And it's not a knock against the people. It's just efficiency, less human error, less variables. You're going to have 
happier clients. It's just how it is. Now, does that mean your porter fails? Absolutely it does. I, especially when you're syndicating crap to VRBO, that drives me insane. Oh, man. How about <laughs> that, man? Like, they dropped the ball on me so many times. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah, I have a call with the director who just decided to cut your porter. So, yeah, that, that, dude, I'm in the same boat. That, that's right? a pain, See, bro. That's frustrating. So, so, software has always been a hiccup in this game of STR. Always. Um, you want to be very resourceful with your software. For example, if you have the ability to collect email addresses of your guests, do it. Do it. Put it inside of a database. If you're using an email sending software, send them an uh, email every quarter. Look, there's, there's only four quarters in a year. They have four emails a year. Say, hey, we love that you stayed with us. Come back. Okay? Come back. If you reply to this email, letting us know that you'll come back within the next, you know, year, we'll give you 10% off your stay, you know, keep your occupancies high. So there's so many tricks to that trade, but I would say number one advice is make sure you get cutting edge software. So let's say you're at 10 properties and you're making really good money and you're curious what CRM you should, you should focus on. Well, if you have a goal to hit 50 plus properties under management, focus on a CRM like Salesforce. Focus on a CRM like HubSpot. Focus on a CRM like, um, oh, what's that other one? Now, these are CRMs. These aren't PMSs. Yeah. Um, there's yeah. other PMSs out there. Like PMSs, you can use Guesty. You can use Porter, You can use Hostfully. Um, there's one out there that's ridiculous, and it's actually here in Arizona. It's absolutely, it's the steroids. It's the, it's the Hercules of PMSs. It's actually so ridiculous Is that there's companies using... What's that? Is it Zivu? What's the name of it? No, 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 no. Let me get it for you. Hold on. That, yeah, that sounds interesting. If it's that powerful, man. Oh, it's in Chandler, Arizona. What is it called? VRMS. I'm going to type in VRMS. It does long-term, short-term. Um, and drive me nuts if I can't find it. Streamline. Streamline VRM, VRMS. Streamline. Look up Streamline. Right Type in Streamline VRMS. This guy... Um, Anthony Corzo, his last name's Corzo, I think it's Corzo, left Intel, okay, and said, I'm going to make a beast of a system for property owners, for short-term rental owners. And over, it's been in, it's like over 10 years ago he did this, and it's just the beast of the beast of the beast. It's really expensive. He used to charge like 10K just to set everything up. Now he doesn't. Now, now they, they charge... I think it's like a thousand bucks a month minimum, minimum. So you have to have volume. You can't do this on like, if you have 10 or 20, like you gotta, you gotta have volume. I think minimum is like 50 units. So they're willing to work with us. I just didn't want to pay the fee because I could do it all myself, patch, you know, patching everything together. But it is, it is the beast system out there. Streamline VRMS. Okay. I'm yeah. going to look into that thing. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. That is, that is cool that you said that, you know, that, that is tempting. And I've seen other, you know, um, STR hosts try to, try to do that. Yeah, I'm just going to hire someone for this, hire someone for that, hire someone for that. And it reminds me of an old um, San Walton quote that I, that I heard back in the, my Walmart days. If, you're, if you have enough employees, then you're overstaffed. And I was <laughs> like, that's pretty freaking interesting, man, right? Because you're not having them do enough. <laughs> You're not pushing I love that. <laughs> well, we had an issue with downtime. 
so we have these we have these um, virtual assistants that are that they wouldn't be doing anything on their screens, and we had downtime. I was like, hold on. So then we created a system where we have projects, extracurricular projects, that when they're done answering guest inquiries or or client inquiries or questions, start working on projects. So now we're so efficient. We run so efficiently that we can finish projects. What took us a month, four weeks, and now it takes us two weeks to do, you know, cut it in half because they're doing something else during downtime. That's the thing too. optimize your people to work on different projects to make your business better during downtime because there are, there are downtimes. Golden advice going on right now. Dude, this has been awesome. (laughs) My passion, funny enough, is not in short-term rental management. This is what's crazy. I only built it to scratch our own itch so that we could build a team around managing our own stuff. My, my passion's in creative deal structure. So I love creating creative deals, you know, like nothing to load down, no payments for 12 months, full price. Like we've done some wild and crazy deals. That's my true passion. But buy more time was built so I could buy myself more time to do that, you know, create systems to manage the short-term rental management. Dude, see, I, I'm trying to get into creative financing because I've been doing, I did a burr. I loved it. You know, you oh, don't burr's put great. Any, barely any money out of your pocket or none. Uh, and then I was like, man, someone, the reason why I was looking into the creative financing thing, cause someone emailed me this deal and she's like, Hey, the owner wants to go. We're giving you everyone a lease option. They can, you can do a lease option on the property. I'm like, heck yeah. And she was like 10 K down. I'm like, what brand new neighborhood right in this neighborhood that I wanted. So I offered, but someone ended up paying cash for it, but not, but it, it just sparked my mind. Like I could get a bunch of properties doing that, you know? So it's definitely on my, on my plate to do that, man. What I would have done with that one, I would say, great, I'll pay 15K down. But in, in the case of this property, I don't want to do a lease option. I want to take ownership of the property on a seller finance deal. So I'll say, hey, I'll pay more, but I need, I need to take ownership. Then I go to my private lender and say, hey, 15K for this property, I'll give you 10% on that money and you can get it back in 24 months. And then all the income, I push it over to my private lender and he gets the first income. It's called a waterfall loan. So they get all the income. I don't make any income until he's paid in full plus his 10%. So none of my own money was used. So kind of a crazy deal. Now, I did a lot of those when I was broke. <laughs> I did a lot of those when I was broke. But, you know, you get to the point where, like, for example, the market's crazy here in Arizona. The market's crazy in Texas. market's crazy in Florida. market's crazy in conservative, a lot of conservative states. And they're doing really well. I really kicked myself that I didn't do more of these like three, four years ago, because right now they almost doubled in value. Imagine having a seller finance deal you borrowed 10K for from a buddy of yours who had some sort of insurance claim, who wanted to make some cash on his money. You know, it was like, hey, you got a car accident? Cool. You got 20 grand. I need 10 of that. I'll give you 20% on that money. Use that 10K, put it down, buy the property, make sure he gets paid back his money ASAP through the rents. Mm. And then after he's paid off, you take all that money. And then after two years, you sell it and make double the value of the property. Mm. That's where mm. my passion's at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I don't, if David Green or Bigger Pockets is listening, this needs to be your next guest right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it's at. <laughs> Funny enough, I actually bought Brandon Turner's book uh, a long time ago, um, Purchasing Properties with Little to No Money Down. You remember that one? Yeah. He actually, he built it. And Joshua Dorkin would give him so much crap when they were both on the podcast. And that's actually, 
a big reason why I'm here. Bigger Pockets is huge. Like I, years ago, I started listening to that podcast, that and Epic Real Estate and Jay Massey and all these guys, right? Jay's I, our I love, guy. Oh, I love Jay. So I love all these guys. And I'm like listening. I'm like, I'm getting pumped. I got to get into this. But he, he, Brandon Turner talked about no money down. What I learned from a mentor after I told the mentor about it, the mentor was like, you know, we can make these deals even better. And he would just tell me, I'm like, how do you do this? There's people, get this, there's people taking down property with no to little money down and they're creating with someone else's cash, um, senior living centers out of these houses that earn 7K a bed. I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, but they earn seven grand a bed and there's 10 beds in these properties making 70K a month. Mm. You know, like, and of course you got to fit a tight box, right? It's got to be at least 2,500 square feet. You have to put sprinkler systems in it. So there's a little bit of upfront investment, not crazy, but if you negotiate 5K down and you borrow another 25K to make it where it needs to be, you can make, you can make that money back in half a month, you know? But anyways, as <laughs> we get off this podcast, I'm about to go uh, set up my notifications. I'm, I'm going all in on a lease option. <laughs> wow. So you, you teach this to people, the, the, the creative financing? You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't teach it officially. I never really liked coaching. Um, I have friends that beg me to do it and I'll just help them. The only thing I ask them in return is that you bring me a deal. You bring me a deal, I'll pay you for the deal. I'll teach you, I'll walk you through the deal. Um, I use a third party um, mortgage company called West Star Pacific Mortgage. They know me by name. Um, they manage all of our notes that we have. I create notes, you know, you buy a property, you sell our finance, you put very low to nothing down. Um, you create a 60 month note. I, you could take that piece of paper, you could sell that paper later too, if you want. You're like, ah, I don't wanna wait for my money at the end. I just wanna sell it or, um, yeah. So I, I do teach people if they, if they bring me deals, you know, if you want, if you, if you want to, if you want me to teach you how to do these deals, just bring me the deal. I'll do the deal with you. You do a 50, 50 split or I buy the deal from you or I'll just help you over the phone, man. Just talk to me. You know, we'll, we'll do it. So nice. I'm yeah. not your guru, man. Sorry. That was your question. I'm not your guru. <laughs> I'm bringing you some deals, man. Let's go. <laughs> I'll get you the deal. That's easy. <laughs> Dude, we bought a property in Lubbock, Texas, Isaac and I, you guys got to talk to Isaac more too. He's, he's a good dude. Good. Get him on. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. Um, we bought a property in Lubbock, Texas. We needed to pay like 10 K down. So we borrowed the money for the 10 K we bought it for like 90 something thousand. We're, we're such idiots because we flipped it out for like 130 K. We made some money. It wasn't crazy property today. That was only like two and a half years ago. Property today is worth like 380 right now. Mm. Yeah, I know. Right. You know, we totally missed. <laughs> Holy miss. But hindsight's 2020. Now that I know the formula, right? I know that the wholesalers and the realtors are bringing me the deals. I know where the private capital is to fund the deals. I know that now I'm able to capitalize or I'm able to fund my own deals, but I still leverage as much as I can to reduce my risk and to help my private lender. Um, and in the meantime, buy more times just running, managing these short-term rentals. And we're just, we're continually building um, that foundation so that we can automate everything. It should be one well-oiled machine. So so here's a question I like asking every now and then when there's like a, a heavy hitter like yourself, come on. Um, let's say a, a scenario where someone just like scooped you up from where you were, dropped you in a city you don't know, no money, nothing in your accounts. What do you do to start surviving and thriving? So first thing I would do is I would find a more rural area 
and I would ask in exchange for lodging, I will do work on their house. I will improve their house. I know how to tile. I know how to roof. I know how to do, you know, whatever needs to be done. I would exchange work. They buy the materials for four hours a day. Okay. I'm only, I'm only going to put in four hours a day, but I get lodging. Um, and I, I try to slip in food too, you know, throw me some food, throw, throw me, throw me some dinner, throw me some breakfast. Let's say I had no money. Okay. Yeah. It's only going to take me, you know, after I have my lodging, I'm set, I'm, I'm golden. Now I got the rest of the day. I have the whole day to find me a deal. Okay. I have all day long. What I'm going to do is I'm going to find five, five real estate agents, five of them. And I'm going to call all these agents on Zillow. I'm going to find out if they have any pocket listings or if they know any properties that aren't selling. What's not selling out there? I'm going to show up to the seller's house with the agent. I'm going to say, I'm going to put on a contract for full price. They're going to drop their jaw. Then they're going to pick up their jaw and they're going to say, yeah, we want your offer. I say full price. I'll give you, I'll give you the price you want. You give me the terms I want. And they're going to say, okay, sounds good. We lock it up. I either sell the deal for 5k, 10k, or I keep it. Now you said I don't have any money. That's really easy. All I do is I get a smartphone and I post this on Facebook. I say, Hey guys, I got a deal for 3k down. You can have a 2,200 square foot home and your monthly payments only $1,400. It rents for 1850. Who wants it? <laughs> <Done. laughs> You'll be at the library typing. Cause you don't have yeah, a yeah, yeah. I'm at the library. <laughs> I smell, I smell really bad. My clothes have holes in them. I'm about to go do some, do some work on a house, but I got this really great deal. Shoot. In fact, I probably do better than I'm doing right now. I'm lazy. Like when you're, you're hungry, sky's the limit. You can do whatever you want to do. You can change yeah. the world when you're hungry. When you're, when you're full, you ain't going to do nothing. You know, I don't know. So. Hey, just, just don't mess with the farmer's daughters, right? Hey, that's right. <laughs> that's a great song, by the way. <laughs> This has been a great episode, man. We love Good it. Episode. We love it. Oh man. So so where can people find you? Find me on Facebook, guys, or just email me, Andrew at buymoretime.com. Just like it sounds. Andrew, my name A-N-D-R-E-W at buy B-U-Y-M-O-R-E-T-I-M-E dot com. Cool. And that website has everything there if you need, you know, for people to manage your properties and get, you know, ask you a ask you questions like we did right <laughs> yeah i just sent that to you yeah man you got any more questions for him mike man that was it man it's like every time we get a guest on they hit right with what i'm trying to do and you hit right the nail on the head with the lease option man, <laughs> like the nail on the head when you start talking that's why i had so many questions as soon as you start talking about that i'm like oh let me start taking notes man, <laughs> it's been awesome to have you on man this has been a great time um good luck to you in the future man you're killing it so i know we, we're gonna see hear you on the bigger pockets podcast hey hey that would be cool hey appreciate you guys thank you so much keep doing what you're doing it's people like you that get us fired up and get us at it going at it and taking massive action look if i didn't listen to a lot of these dudes on on like if i didn't listen to max maxwell jay massey bigger pockets you know, all these, all these people, if I didn't hear them, I, Epic Real Estate, Matt Terrio, you know, um, Joe Fairless, I actually used to be the coordinating uh, podcast coordinator for Joe Fairless. Funny really? enough. Story. Yeah. So I'm actually on the Joe Fairless podcast too, if you type it in, but that's a long time ago. My first deal was a duplex. I bought it on an FHA deal. Anyways, if it's not for people like you, honestly, there would be a lot less action takers. So you don't know what you're doing. This is incredibly oh, yeah. valuable, like incredibly valuable. 
Awesome. It's funny because people tell us that, you know, hey, y'all, you inspired us to, to get our first deals, get our first, well, now we got 20, I'm like, damn, and our get our you know our, our our listeners inspire us to to get off our asses and do more you know it's it's like a reciprocal thing you know it, it's so cool. we're we're learning more than we're you know putting out there but it, it's just oh man we love it yeah we appreciate guests like you coming on and just yeah, sharing and, and just opening up your soul to all, all of our listeners man it's been great awesome guys thank you so much thank you right, man. yeah have a good night man thank you for coming hey on. you two reach out anytime if you have questions about lease options or whatever anything yeah, creative i got, I got out right now <laughs> will do sounds good guys See you. Okay. later that was man that was powerful dog like i'm, I'm, I'm about to go all in because like i was like i need to get deals where i can still get equity he he, he hit the nail on the head you got to do lease options because i'm like nobody's doing that and he's doing it with no money out of his pocket like right. dang <laughs> you can't beat that go ahead though man i'm, I'm getting some text questions, text messages about you know about people trying to hit me up doing that with my my rental house in hearst you know the mm-hmm. one I that, I that i'm getting some work done on right now because the, the previous tenants left now so i got new tenants coming in mm-hmm. and um but i'm getting tons of text messages hey i saw you have the house for rent on zillow blah blah how about how about we you know we, what we do we rent it for we can rent it for 12 months and then we'll buy it from you full price you know and you know they put a renter in there while they while they rent it for me for 12 months and then they sell it you know they try to sell it to that person whoever the, i don't know whatever their their yeah. deal is you know but it's like kind of leave i'm getting lease option text messages so yeah, and one of them i responded to i was like hey is a so why would i do that when i could sell it for you know a buttload of money right now and they didn't say none, but yeah. <laughs> that was my, you know. See, because me, I'm like, dude, you, because like we're calling these places and trying to arbitrage. Like, yeah, that works, but you still have to come out of month pocket, out of out of out of pocket with the money. Yeah, you do the lease option, man. That shit, dude. That was like, you can't beat that. And I know a bunch of wholesalers and uh, realtors. So I'm about to, yeah, I'm tapping into my network right now. Adam Johnson, he also does that. He he was on our show. Yeah. He yeah, because I know he does. Yeah, I know he's real big on sub two as well. Sub two. Yeah, I didn't know he was yeah. doing lease option as well. Well, that's, that's I'm sorry, I meant yeah, sub two. Where yeah. he's like, you know, he has the house for five years and the whole five years he's doing the Airbnb yeah. on it. So yeah, so there's there's people doing it. And it's kinda of the same approach. He fixes yeah. it up for the person, blah blah blah. And either he buys it or doesn't buy it. But um man, this this is cool. This is this was cool about real estate and you know short-term rentals you know it's, it's just creativity it's all it is there's there's no limits there's no freaking limits there's no limits see and that, that's what i'm learning man just, that's why i love this podcast man we just keep learning shit learning shit now i'm like Fuck it, i gotta apply it you know what I, mean? so, <laughs> I gotta apply it that that's man that's that was that was some game-changing shit right there so yeah that's a great episode man where can people find us man you can find us at live let thrive dot com email is live let thrive at gmail.com follow us on instagram you can follow me at micah artist on instagram steve at steven shay suarez and you can follow live let thrive on ig as well thank y'all for continuing to listen we are at episode in our episode we in the 170s man that's crazy, <laughs> I know. Nice. That's crazy to think about they said the average podcast doesn't go past episode nine. Oh wow that is crazy yeah so <laughs> thank y'all for continuing to listen to us and uh Hit us up. Got any questions? Hit us up on Instagram. Send us an email, man. Thank y'all for continuing to listen. We are out. Peace. Later. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.